I could do three, but if we have time, I'll fit it in. If not, it's we're not we're not gonna have time. So. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. Pat, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Good. Can't complain. Uh, what episode is this? Do you know? Is this 67? That's what I had written down. Okay, I had that written down as well. So, episode number 67. Yep. I've got nothing for 67. Nothing. We've been weak on that lately. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about football players, and we don't know our offensive linemen's numbers too well, so. Yeah, apparently not. Anyways, on to the news. What kind of news you got today? This is from American Military News. Okay. NASA to crash International Space Station into the Pacific Ocean. I saw this one. It's going to happen in, what, like 2031 or something? Yes. NASA is moving forward with plans to take the International Space Station out of orbit in 2031 and crash it into the Pacific Ocean, according to the Space Agency's International Space Station Transition Report released Monday. NASA explained the ISS will continue operating through 2030 in order to maintain a United States presence in space until private industry operations develop commercial replacements. The private sector is technically and financially capable of developing and operating commercial low-Earth orbit destinations with NASA's assistance. We look forward to sharing our lessons learned and operations experience with private sector to help them develop safe, reliable, and cost-effective destinations in space, said Phil McAllister, Director of Commercial Space at NASA headquarters, in a statement. It sounds like a challenge more than anything. It's like, yeah, you guys should be able to do this, so we're going <laughs> to go ahead and bring it down on a few Years. Honestly, it's probably going to be ran and funded a hell of a lot more efficiently than the government well, doing anything. Absolutely. Uh, we'll see what happens with that now. They still got, what, nine years up there then in 20, 2031, is what you said? Yeah. So let's see who wins Elon Musk or. Uh... Now, what's his face? The, the other problem, I guess, I don't know if they considered this in this discussion, is isn't the International Space Station shared with Russia? Doesn't I thought, like the I thought, U.S. have half and Russia have half? I thought it was shared with like four or five nations. I thought like the U.S. and like three other com- countries shared one half and then Russia shared the other half. That's that, what I thought. That's what I, I, I thought that too. And then, you know, you have astronauts from the U.K. going up there. You have astronauts from fucking China going in there Yeah, I thought too. it was like China, the U.K., France. France, yeah. Japan, yeah, yep, and the U.S. on one side, and I thought the Russians were by themselves on the other side. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that's all going to work. Could you imagine if like Russia didn't sign off? On this? <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. It's probably going to fucking start a war. <laughs> yeah, that could that would happen. Anyway, is that all you got with that one? Yeah, it's a longer article. You guys can check it out. Uh, American military news. Yeah, that's definitely going to be kind of the story that we're going to have to keep up on a little bit sure. moving forward. But that was a pretty good news story. What you got, Pat? I got three this week, and these are a little bit ridiculous. Now, my first one is going to come from KKTV.com. But I saw this one pretty much across the board this week. This is a little bit older, but this is a funny one. Okay. Crash suspect says Dale Earnhardt's ghost told him to drive the wrong way. <laughs> this is out of Las Vegas. Okay. A man accused of intentionally driving the wrong way on Las Vegas's 215 Beltway told the judge that the ghost of NASCAR driver Dale Earnhardt Sr. told him to do it. Daniel Asif, 51, faces charges of attempted murder, driving under the influence, and battery with a deadly weapon after vehicle crashes reported on January 28th in the area of Lake North Drive and Fort Apache Road near Sahara Avenue, KVVU reports. In a court hearing Tuesday, Asif told Judge Ann Zimmerman that Earnhardt's ghost told him to drive the wrong way on the freeway. (laughs) 
in order to get the mayor's attention and bring NASCAR back to Las Vegas. Zimmerman noted that Asif reportedly had heroin and methamphetamine in his system at the time of the crashes. Ugh. Prosecutors asked for a $200,000 bond for Asif, including alcohol monitoring and a ban on driving. The judge set the bail at $500,000, ordering Asif not to drive and calling him a danger to the community. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs, but his justification for this was that Dale Earnhardt's <laughs> ghost told him to do it like how long did he think of of that like how, like when when did he come to decide you know what this is what i'm gonna go with i don't i don't know a, a, a ghost now this guy's told on a, me this guy's on a lot of drugs did sure. he honestly i think that Dale <laughs> came to him in a dream or something now did, did you follow nascar at all growing up was that something you were into at all not really See, I was I was really into it as a really little kid. I, I knew about Dale Earnhardt Jr. and like Tony Stewart and Yeah. You know, fucking Gordon. See, I was into it even before then and like Dale Earnhardt was like the closest thing that I had in my head to Jesus. Like he was the greatest thing of all time. He was awesome. And as a little kid growing up, I, I liked Rusty Wallace first, but then Dale Earnhardt became my favorite for a while. And then I think Josh Gordon became my favorite later. But then mm-hmm. Dale Earnhardt died in 2001 in a crash on the Daytona 500. And it was weird because earlier in that race, there was a huge, like the biggest NASCAR race. And I watched this thing live. Mm-hmm. Biggest NASCAR crash I'd ever seen. Just like cars flipping over, flying in the air. Everything was going on. There were only a few cars left. On the last lap, he was one of the few cars that I was still left. There was a separate crash that he died in during that race. Jesus. And I remember just, it was just a benign, it didn't look like anything bad happened. It was just like a spin out, basically. Mm-hmm. And just, it was just the wrong thing at the wrong time. And it was just like, unreal. And then we watched the thing later and it's just like, the news update was like, he died. And I, I sat there and I cried like a little kid. Well, I was oh, like, I think I was, I was, I was seven. Okay, you're a seven. I was six or seven. I think I might even been six. This was two thousand one. So I was just like, Oh my god. Dude, are you little... tearing up here in the studio? Right it was now? rough. It was a rough day, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. But like Dale Earnhardt was like the greatest thing of all time. Uh-huh. He was the intimidator, the craziest, coolest, chillest NASCAR driver out there. Sure. And he's still got a call to personality today. Like in the movie Zombieland, have you ever seen that movie? Yeah. Woody Harrelson's character, every time he gets a new car, he paints a three on it. That's why. It's for Dale Earnhardt. Mm-hmm. So. That's funny. Anyways, if there was going to be a ghost that was going to tell me to do something, Dale Earnhardt would probably be that guy. <laughs> But that's hilarious. Anyways, I wouldn't do that. I don't think he would recommend doing something quite as crazy as this guy did. Yeah, definitely but not. Anyways, that's all I got with that one. That was a good one. Yes, sir. What do you got? This one is pretty, this is pretty insane, dude. So this new story was given to me from Paige. Uh-oh. This is from Quartz.com. Quartz. Can you spell that for our listeners, please? Q-U-A-R-T-Z. Quartz. Got it. A cruise ship is trying to evade U.S. arrest at sea. What? <laughs> A cruise ship evading authorities wound up in the Bahamas instead of its Miami destination, leaving hundreds of passengers to make their way back to the United States a day after their tour was scheduled to end. Oh, my God. The Crystal Symphony, a luxury liner, was finishing a two-week cruise when a U.S. judge issued an arrest warrant January 20th over a lawsuit alleging the vessel owes more than $1.2 million in fuel bills. Arrest warrants for ships are permitted under U.S. maritime law for plaintiffs' 
sinking to collect unpaid debt. In this case, U.S. Marshal would arrest the vessel when it entered U.S. waters. Now, just to give a little context, this type of cruise line, like these, these particular ones go out for like a really long time. Like these are top of the line luxury liners. Sure. Like it's like a hundred thousand dollars. Like they're really expensive. Some of them go out for like Wait, months at a time. The ticket is a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Or okay, because the boat's got to cost a lot more than a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Vessels have a legal personality, much in the same way an individual or corporation would, says Michael Karcher, a professional at the University of Miami who teaches in the maritime law department. In this case, the ship was party to a lawsuit and deemed responsible for unpaid bills issued by a fuel provider. Rather Rather than dock in Miami the following Saturday as planned, the cruise ship headed for Bimini, an island in the Bahamas. The debacle is a sign of a financial trouble facing Crystal Cruises and its parent company during an already fraught economic moment for the cruise industry. But this is insane because they're literally, like, the passengers are stranded at this point. (laughs) They have nowhere to go. The crew, it's not, it's the, not their fault. The cruise members, like the cruise, the crew members and the passengers are basically in limbo here. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's absurdity. It is absolutely insane. Crystal Symphony's near run in with the law came shortly after Peninsula Petroleum Far East filed a lawsuit in Miami Federal Court on January 19th against Crystal Symphony, as well as Crystal Cruisers and Star Cruises. The lawsuit alleges the cruise lines owe the fuel provider $4.6 million in fuel. Wow. At what point did they just stop filling it up? And they're owned by Genting Hong Kong, which recently began the process of liquidating its assets and dissolving the business over rising debts that it can't repay. So they're not paying those bills anytime soon. Yeah, probably not. Crystal Cruises announced on January 21st it would temporarily suspend sailing operations due to Genting's financial struggles. Now, the problem that we're running into with this is there's got to be somebody on board making the call. <laughs> right. Somebody cares so much about this fucking Hong Kong company, right? That they're like, "Fuck it, we're just not." Gonna, we're, we're like, "I'm this, not going to risk." This cruise it. ship is basically on the run, but this someone's making hilarious. somebody's making the decisions on board to keep it on the run because <laughs> the cruise ship can't think on its own, right? So someone's very invested right. in pulling this type of shit off. Well, they're probably getting told, don't go to Miami. You're taking this bitch to the Bahamas, But who's going to tell them? Who's going to hold them accountable? The executive at the company that's going under anyways? What are they going to do? I don't don't know, man. This is hilarious, though. Someone has some dirt on somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Did you imagine just being a passenger? Oh, my God. It's bad. That's hilarious. That was a good one. I thought you'd like that one. Was there anything more you have with that one? Nope, that's about it. Awesome. Now, I've got two more quick ones. These are pretty good. Let's get into it. And both of them are going to come from our favorites, UPI Odd News. Odd News. Britain's oldest pub closes after 1,229 years. It closes? Yes. Damn, that's so shitty. This is ridiculous. A pub purported to be the oldest in Britain is closing because of financial difficulties. 1,229 years after it was established, the ye old Fighting Cox Pub (laughs) in St. Albans, England, announced on Facebook that it was closing permanently after financial problems made worse by the COVID-19 pandemic. Ye old cock? Is that what it's called? Ye old fighting cocks. That's such an English name. Yeah. <laughs> the pub's website said that the business started pouring drinks in the year 793. That's 793. Unreal. That's like not that long after King Arthur. <laughs> That's before Charlemagne. 
That's ridiculous. Along with my team, I have tried everything to keep the pub going. Pub manager Christo Tofali wrote in a Facebook post. However, the past two years have been unprecedented for the hospitality industry and have defeated all of us who have been trying our hardest to ensure this multi-award winning pub could continue trading into the future. Tofali said the pub's financial problems predated the pandemic, but the issues continually worsened until the team determined they could no longer meet financial obligations. It goes without saying that I'm heartbroken. The pub has been so much more than just a business to me, and I feel honored to have played even a small part in its history, he wrote. And I guess they've got some ideas. They might be able to reopen it eventually, but as of right now. I feel like as like an historical building, like maybe the local government should place a priority into that place and trying to keep it going. See, I was kind of thinking about it a little bit because it seems ridiculous that 1,229 (laughs) years is going to end now. The the way that it did? Just the way that it did. And I'm trying to think like there has to be some patrons that are going to go there just for the novelty of it. Yeah. Like you could sell $30 beers to tourists who are going to want to go there just for the novelty of it. 100%. The problem, and I don't know how it is in England, but I know it, it is this way in other European countries is it is so difficult to keep a small business running. Sure. Like in France, for example, just the labor laws are so out of control that you don't really, if you're going to do a small business, you want to run it yourself and be the only employee. Sure. Just because it doesn't matter what kind of company you operate, you have to give unpaid leave for everything under the sun or no paid leave for everything under the sun. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's very, it's very easy for employees just to say, yeah, I don't want to work here anymore but you still have to pay me type of a thing. Mm-hmm. And if a lot of small businesses don't generate much margin to begin with, especially right. a pub, what kind of margin are they going to be generating? Yeah. I don't know how it is in Britain as opposed to France, but I've heard that France is a nightmare to start a business in. Great if you're a worker right. and you don't really want to work. But <laughs> you know what I mean? So I wonder if that's if that's going to play into part play a part into that a little bit. Possibly, yeah. I, sound, I can see it. It doesn't really sound that way in this article, but I don't know. It is kind of weird. It is kind of sad. I just it's, just, it's just surprising to me that just like some rich dude just doesn't come and just pick it up. Yeah, I Somebody. don't know. Now, they said there are some plans in the future. They're saying that, I guess there are some brewers that are in the area that think they can reopen it or something. But Well, but it, now it... As like, of right now, no more fighting cocks. Yeah, like going up to the fighting cocks today, eh? Speaking of cocks, you got, are you ready for my next one? Yeah. It's also from UPI Odd News. Nice. Zoo hires Marvin Gaye impersonator to get monkeys in the mood. A British zoo aiming to bolster its population of endangered monkeys hired a Marvin Gaye impersonator <laughs> to visit the enclosure and croon love songs. The Trentham Monkey Forest in Stafford, England, said David Largy, an experienced Marvin Gaye impersonator, performed selections from the Soul Legends catalog, including Let's Get It On and Sexual Healing inside the Barbary Macaque Habitat. Now, we've talked about these monkeys before on the show. Yes, we have. We thought it would be a creative way to encourage our females to show a little affection to the males that might not have been so lucky in love. Park director Matt Lovett said on the zoo's website, Females in season mate with several males, so paternity among our furry residents is never known. Each birth is vital to the species, with Barbary macaques being classed as endangered. Lovett said zookeepers expect to discover whether the visit had any effect on the monkeys when birthing season arrives in late spring or early summer. Now, there is actual so, video of this guy out there in that exhibit singing. You know what? So, like, you know, at some point, all these people, they, they had a meeting. And some guy <laughs> some guy said, you know what? I know how to solve this problem. We're going to we're gonna get a Marvin Gaye. 
We're going to get a Marvin Gaye impersonator. All right. Now. This is how this is going to go down. You would think, though, I mean, they're trying to promote procreation. You would think they'd want to get a Marvin Strait. <laughs> right. No shit. Marvin Strait impersonator yeah. in there. Yeah, no shit. But how the hell did they land on this? Now, who? Th- this had to have been like the. This guy had to have been a friend of somebody. <laughs> like, there's no way they were just like. There's no way this is a professional solution. How do you How do you make this phone call? Hey, uh, what's this guy's name? This guy's name is David Largy. Hey, Dave. Uh, you still doing that Marvin Gaye thing? Because <laughs> we've got a gig for you. <laughs> And that's so funny. He signed up and I watched the video of them out there singing. <laughs> like it's a real thing. That is ridiculous. They don't know if it they don't know if it's gonna produce results yet. We're not gonna know until late spring. <laughs> late spring. Jesus. Anyways. So they're gonna pay this guy to do this shit. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. Uh that's hilarious. That's a good one. You got any more news? Nope, that's it for me. Right, I got one really quick comment. Sure. Have you been keeping up? Have you been watching the book of Boba Fett at all? No. I've been watching it. I don't know. It's not as good as like the Mandalorian, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of crossover actors. Like the Mandalorian himself is in a couple episodes of the book of Boba Fett. Nice. There's some crossovers. And the most recent episode that I saw brought back a Timothy Oliphant's character from the Mandalorian. And Timothy Oliphant, we all know best as the guy that played Danny Cordray in The Office. So they really get this guy back in the mix. I don't know where in the timeline all this shit happens, but mm-hmm. it was kind of cool to see that that kind of like continuation i guess sure but it's like this is a minor spoiler but they really don't leave tatooine a whole lot in the show mm-hmm. so it's like of all the things you could do in star wars we're just wandering around on tatooine still see i've, I've seen one episode of the the bubba fett because i was over at my dad's and he was watching it ah okay and uh like the filming style is the same as the mandalorian like, yeah it's... All, all those star wars shows are like the same like filming style well there's only the mandalorian and boba fett but you know what i mean and Boba Fett's a spinoff of the Mandalorian. And there is one episode. So is, is Kenobi going to be like this? I don't know. Now, the Mandalorian's also produced by the same people. So. Okay. Or Boba Fett and the Mandalorian are produced by the same people. Yeah, I just, you'd think they'd switch it up a little bit. But. Well, it's weird because I feel like it's the same show. I feel like it is the same show, basically. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt like. And what's funny is if I go home and I know a new episode's up, like, oh, well, I got to watch a new episode of the Mandalorian. Even though it's Boba Fett, it's not the Mandalorian. Right. But then there was one episode where I turned it on and Boba Fett's not even in it. It's all the Mandalorian. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? So, anyways, look at Boba Fett, check it out. Maybe, I don't know. It's not too bad. Like, I like Timura Morrison, the guy that plays Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty good actor. It's not as good as like the old stuff, but sure. They do a couple of flashbacks where they bring back the young kid Boba Fett. Nice. And every time I see him, I always think, hey, Boba, today I saw you. <laughs> And then every time, like, Boba Fett's in armor, like, wandering around, I go, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, where? <laughs> so. That's so funny. Also, Danny Trejo is in it. Who the hell is that? Uh, Machete. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> I know the main topic. What do you got? What do we got? Now, this is going to be your episode, Ben. I got I hope not. So, episode 67. Yes, sir. We're doing crazy famous people. Yes. Famous people. I don't know. Is that vague? Is that kind of broad? It is kind of a vague term. I'm not going to lie. There's <laughs> not a lot of diversity on my list. Yeah. I got... Mine, mine's all right. Now, we'll, what, we'll see. We'll see. What kind of famous people? Like, what type of famous people? Are you talking musicians? Because... So, I have... Um, I basically just have, like, a rich lady and a 
and an actor. Okay, because I am not creative. I guess I don't know nearly as much about celebrities as I thought I knew. I don't know anything about celebrities. Who, was this, this had to have been my topic that I came up with, yeah, wasn't you, it? Yeah, you picked this I one. I picked this one because I've got two athletes. That's all I can come <laughs> up with. Well, I guess famous can mean anyone who's well-known. Yeah, like these people are not, they're athletes, but they're probably not well-known for being athletes as much as everything else that's going on. So Sure. Do you want to get started with this or do you want me to get started? It doesn't matter. I'll tell you what, you should probably get started just because I've been talking for a while and Sure. They don't want to hear me talk forever. So Sure. So my first one is Charlie Sheen. Yeah, you know, if I had to do an actor, that's probably who I was going to do. Now, this dude, I don't even know where to start with this guy. This guy is absolutely ridiculous. Now, he's been in some pretty big movies. Yep. Well, you, he you was know, also... You, you know any uh, Charlie Sheen movies, Pat? Uh, well, Platoon. Which, that's probably his best movie. He, 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 that's probably his best movie. It's probably his biggest breakout movie. That was in 1986. 86, yeah. Uh, Red Dawn. Yeah, he was in... Uh, Outsiders. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Major League. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> See, Major League, it's put it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Major League were where I first knew learned about him. Mm-hmm. Or where I first saw him and then Red Dawn. Yep. And, and then Platoon later. He's in uh some of the scary movies. He's in like three, four, and five, I think. Okay. But he's most famous for his role in Two and a Half Men. Yes. He was at the top of his game at this time. He was making $1.8 million per episode. Holy shit. That's a lot of money. Per episode. And they had a lot of episodes on Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Like, Two and a Half Men kind of used to be, like, my... If I don't know what to watch, I'm just going to find it on some channel. Because usually it's on some random-ass channel. Sure. And it's playing for, like, 24 hours straight. Oh, yeah. Because there's so many episodes. Yep. But, yeah, that all came to that all came to an end though in 2011 because <laughs> he had a he had a meltdown and he was fired from CBS he basically insulted the creator of the show and uh, yeah went pretty bad I remember I watched I didn't really watch that show growing up but I watched the episode after he he got written out and it was just <laughs> yeah. like the most unceremonious send-off I've ever yeah. seen in TV <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty bad after Charlie left. What did they bring out like Ashton Kutcher or something? Yeah, that fucking guy. Yeah, it was. It was. It had its moments, but it was nowhere near as funny. Sure, but I mean that's not even the beginning of what this dude did. Like this dude, this dude gets, did some crazy shit. Now, mind you, this guy he struggled with alcohol and uh, you know drugs. This dude did more cocaine than I think anybody on this planet. This dude did a lot of coke. I mean, a lot of coke. Yeah, and he and he and he admits it. He kind of like wears it. It's kind of interesting. Interesting about him, he wears it as like you know, like he he has no shame about it. And he, he has no he, shame about yeah. anything, <laughs> and he he'll go out there and he'll admit it, and he just doesn't care. You know, real and quick, I, I, I don't like to make fun of anyone that struggles with drugs. Sure, but there's a difference between wanting to help yourself and not. And Charlie Sheen, he got out of a lot of his criminality from like agreeing to go to rehab, and then right when he gets out, he just starts doing drugs again. Yeah, like he would just use it as an excuse. There was and, a, which is ridiculous. There was a quote I read about him because back when he was still making a lot of money. He was still banging hookers on the side. Dude. And people would ask him, because he'd be open about all this shit, be like, why are you banging hookers when (laughs) you could probably get this type of shit for free because you're on the top of the world celebrity-wise? Right. And he goes, I'm not paying for the sex. I'm paying them to leave. (laughs) Leave after. (laughs) Dude, he's such a jackass. Oh, it's so so funny. But yeah, he he's done some pretty crazy shit. In um, so in 2014, he was getting an operation done for an abscess tooth, and when they went to administer the uh, nitrous oxide, he became like belligerent, and he started like assaulting the technician. And he pulled out a knife on her. Oh my like, god! Like in the fucking operating room. <laughs> 
<laughs> and she later sued him for all that. And then Charlie Sheen's bodyguard told the dentist that Sheen was high on rock cocaine before the operation. Jesus. So they mixed. So he's he's already high on cocaine. And then they give him the nitrous oxide. <laughs> the nitrous oxide on top of it. Could you imagine? <laughs> Oh my god. I don't even know what to do with that. For some reason he just had this nice thing. He's he pulled out a knife on like four or five different people <laughs> <laughs> during this just meltdown period. Fucking on Christmas he got drunk and he pulled a knife out on one of his girlfriends that sent him to jail. He got charged with like three things, but he agreed to like go to rehab and anger management, so he got out of all of it. Yeah. And then I remember him with the anger management. That was kinda of funny. <laughs> yeah. And then uh fucking before that he he had like three wives officially then he was engaged to like one person and uh before it it was the early 90s i believe before he got married to his first wife he was engaged to a woman that he accidentally shot in the arm (laughs) she called off the wedding (laughs) but uh oh my god brooke miller which i think was one of his wives uh, he pulled out a knife on Brooke Miller because they got into an ar- argument over the song Drops of Jupiter by Train. <laughs> and he pulled out a knife and put it to her neck and threatened to kill her if he t- told anyone. Wow. Yeah, dude. Like, this dude's absolutely insane. Kelly Preston was the woman that he accidentally shot in the arm. Okay. But, yeah. Basically gives you an idea of how apeshit crazy Charlie Sheen is. Did he end up uh, getting HIV during all this? Yeah, in, in 2015, during a big NBC interview, he admitted that he had, he had HIV. You know, I saw this thing of this guy who, he had a picture of himself, and he claims that his mom was a flight attendant, like, back in the 80s, and that she hooked up with Charlie Sheen on a flight. <laughs> and this guy's picture looks exactly like Charlie Sheen, and he thought that Charlie Sheen was his... Was his real father, and I don't know. I don't know whatever happened with that, but there was That's like a hilarious. crowd. There was like a crowdfunding thing where they were trying to get a DNA test. Jesus, it was ridiculous. But That's great. Yeah, him and <laughs> Have you ever seen Major League? I, I think I saw it when I was a kid. Oh my god, is it? It is so fucking funny. I, yeah, it is because it's like it, it's the Cleveland. Well, the Guardians now. They used to be the Indians back in the day, and they, their owner is trying to lose on purpose. To move to Miami, to move the entire team to Miami because there's a clause that they can get out of their stadium lease if they move to Miami. And so she puts together the worst team that she can possibly justifiably put together. <laughs> and it's like they're watching, the coaches are watching like all these guys come in like one at a time. And then Shirley Sheen's character comes in on the back of a motorcycle and he's got like, like you know how like the shaved head, like the 80s shaved head and yeah. the tattoos and the piercings and everything. Yeah. And they're talking to him and he's, he's a young guy and they're like, what league did you play in last year, dude? And he goes, the California Penal League. <laughs> it's fucking. Jesus. It's hilarious. His name is, his character is Wild Thing. And he's a pitcher. He can throw 100 miles an hour, but he can't control it to save his life. It's hilarious. It's it's some funny shit. It's really good. That movie is so funny. If you, you're not in, as in the baseball, but. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. It might be. I got it on DVD. I watch it regularly. And it's got Bob Euchre commentating, who's an old baseball announcer. Now, he was old back then, and he's still announcing games like these days. Wow. And Bob Euchre is one of the funniest guys. Anyways, Major League, Charlie Sheen. What do you got? 
Anyways, we're going to be going back to sports with this one. Now, this guy, both of my guys are still alive. I don't know how yours turned out. This guy's only 29 years old. Okay. But he's already one of my most craziest famous people of all time. Sure. Have you ever heard of Johnny Manziel? Yes. Now, a little bit of a backstory on Johnny Manziel. He became big on, uh, what, 2012, I think was the year. Yeah, he won the Heisman, didn't he? He was a college football quarterback that played for Texas A&M. And as a redshirt freshman, his first year playing, he ended up winning the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. In 2012, which he was the first freshman to ever win the Heisman Trophy. Although I think Jameis Winston was a freshman when he did it. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson was as well. Yeah. So that's happened twice since then. But he was the first, Johnny Manziel was the first freshman to win the Heisman Trophy. Now he played at Texas A&M, which is one of those schools that was, it's a big school, but they had a long standing issue with their football programs being shit for a very yeah, long you time. You didn't hear about them until Johnny Manziel. I only heard about them once prior to Johnny Manziel, and that was when Texas beat them. 77 to 7 <laughs> it's not something to it's not something good yeah. to be known about now i used to watch espn a lot like even like in my late teens until i stopped getting cable basically mm-hmm. and i remember watching a segment early on a morning early it was it would have been summer of 2012 like right as college football season was getting started and the segment was on texas a&m and the first words of the segment were they call him johnny football <laughs> and it was a profile of the young kid that had just won the starting job at Texas A&M and how Texas A&M was going crazy over this guy because they thought he was the greatest thing of all time. Sure. So that's what put him on my radar. I was like, who the hell is this little guy who's calling himself Johnny Football? And why is he? Why are they talking about him on ESPN in September or whatever? And then Johnny Football ended up starting with A&M doing really well. He had a couple of games where he put up over 500 yards of total offense between rushing and passing. Mm-hmm. And then the big break was later on in the season, they went to number one Alabama in Tuscaloosa on the road and on national tv johnny manziel put up like 348 yards of total offense or something i don't know three or four touchdowns and they ended up beating alabama on the road then all of a sudden this johnny football guy went from the texas a&m little folk hero to heisman trophy watch Mm -hmm. and then he kept doing really well and then at the end of the season he ended up beating out another guy that we talked about on the podcast manti teo Mm -hmm. for the heisman trophy yep as a freshman now I don't know about you. Johnny Manziel was one of the most fun players to watch. I didn't watch yeah, a ton of was, college football, but great. I watched a lot back then. Yeah. He was fun to watch. You never knew what the hell he was going to do. Because he was a little guy. He was only 5'11", I think. Mm-hmm. But he had a big arm, and he could run. Now, he wasn't super fast. I think his time was like a 4'6", 4'6", I mean, that's pretty fast for a quarterback. It's fast for a quarterback, but it's not fast overall. But he was quick. He was lightning quick, and he would change directions on a dime. And he was fun to watch. Now, the thing with Johnny Manziel that he's best remembered for is not what happened on the field. Even though he was a fun player on the field, it was the off-the-field antics. Mm-hmm. After winning the Heisman Trophy, he shot up his celebrity status stars just shot up through the roof basically mm-hmm. he was everywhere he was with all the celebrities he was with lebron bieber drake floyd mayweather and there was a big video that got posted on instagram in between i think it was after 2011 or 2012 but before 2013 of him at a club with a, a stack of money it's going <laughs> i can't hear you i've got too much money or something like that yeah which i don't know why the hell he was doing that because athletes can't earn money to begin with yeah so after that it was just like what is he going to do now? It was clear that he was a party boy. Sure. But it was also clear that celebrities really liked him and really liked hanging out with him. So he was like dad from Blue Mountain State. Basically. <laughs> but he was a 20, 20, I think he was 20 at the time. It wasn't even legal drinking age for a right. lot of this. <laughs> 
And what's funny, too, is earlier in his career, before he came out of the spotlight, back when he was a true freshman, he got arrested at a party or something. He ended up, he was fighting with some guy, and that's what he got arrested for. But when they checked his credentials, he had a fake ID that he got into the bar with. So he got in trouble for that shit. This was all before, this was before he became like a celebrity, basically. Uh So the party scene and the social media presence and everything kind of amplified his celebrity status just beyond belief. Now, he would see him at like big games with famous people like, I guess I had Floyd Money, Mayweather, LeBron was big on him. This was back when he was still in college. Mm -hmm. He was making friends with all these people. And then uh, 2013 rolls around and he got in trouble because he was selling autographs before the season started. And there was like, people were like, he can't play. He's going to be ineligible. This is a clear violation NCAA rules and they ended up suspending him for one half of one game is what his suspension <laughs> was. He put up similar passing statistics the second year at Texas A&M which would have been a sophomore season. It wasn't great and his rushing wasn't nearly as good. I think he ended up running for like half the yards and half the touchdowns but he still ended up rushing for 30 touchdowns overall in his college career over two seasons. That's a lot. His pass numbers were still okay but the coaches and he had Cliff Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator back then. I don't know if you knew that. Mm. And they said that they did not even have a playbook. It was just <laughs> And they had Mike Evans. Yeah. And I think they had uh, Jake Matthews blocking. So they had some pretty good players. Yeah. But it was a lot of just Manziel running around like a crazy person for a while, just chucking it up. And Mike Evans is about as perfect of a chuck it up to target as there was. Right. So all that combined to them being pretty good, but the second year wasn't as good for Manziel. Sure. You could tell that the party culture was starting to catch up to him already. And he ended up declaring for the NFL draft after 2013. So it's like, okay, great. He's only spent two years playing in college. First year, he wins the Heisman Trophy, which is the greatest thing a college player can do, basically. Mm -hmm. Next year, not as great. I think he finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy race. He's going pro. Should he have gone pro? Who knows? But he's like, fuck it. I'm out of here. He wanted to make that money. Sure. Now, that had been the other thing, too, is he would do the money sign where he'd flip flip his fingers. Yeah. He started doing that in college, and his attitude was kind of getting out of control already. And there were a lot of stories about just how bad his partying was already. And there were even stories... There were even stories in high school, though, that his parents were trying to bribe him with new cars because they knew that he already had an alcohol problem, like, as a sophomore in high school. And they were trying to get him to be sober. But it didn't matter because he always won wherever the hell he went. He was a good player at the end of the day. He can't win the Heisman Trophy without being a good player. So he decides he's going to go to the draft. Now, experts were like, he's a surefire first overall pick. He's the best quarterback in the draft by far. Or they were like, he's undraftable. You can't pick this guy. He's a complete nightmare. He's short. <laughs> he's small. It's not going to work in the NFL. His attitude's not going to work in the NFL. These are grown-ass men. They're going to go out there and kill him. He's not big enough. He's not good enough. And it was such a weird polarization between people's takes on him. So the question was, all that year, who is the better quarter? Who is the best quarterback in that class? Because there was Blake Bortles in that class, Johnny Manziel, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater, and Derek Carr were the four in that class. Bortles ended up going first. He was the first pick in that or the, the third overall pick, but I can't remember who the hell the first overall pick was. 2014. Is that oh, Clowney? Clowney. Yeah. It went Clowney, and then it went Greg Robinson, the offensive lineman, who we could also probably put on this list because he just got arrested a couple <laughs> years ago. He had over $100,000 of weed in his car and a Jesus. bunch of guns while he was still under contract with the Browns. <laughs> 
at the Mexican border. Bra- <laughs> the, like, bra- the Browns know how to pick them, man. So, yeah, because that was, it went Clowney, Robinson, Blake Bortles to the Jaguars, and then Sammy Watkins, because the Browns had the number four pick. They traded back, and the Bills picked Sammy Watkins. And then Khalil Mack went fifth overall. I can't remember who the hell went sixth overall. I think Mike Evans might have went sixth overall. No, Jake Matthews went to the Falcons sixth overall. And then, I don't know, Eric Ebron was in that group. But Justin Gilbert went eighth overall. Aaron Donald went 12th overall. It was a pretty interesting class. Right. But Manziel was in this quarterback mix. So the Browns had picked eighth overall. They've passed on Johnny Manziel. They picked Justin Gilbert, which was equally as bad, but for different reasons. <laughs> and then Manziel's still sitting on the board. And it's like, well, there's not a lot of teams that needed a quarterback that year, but Cleveland was one of them. There were a couple other teams that wanted one. But Teddy Bridgewater was on the board, and Derek Carr was also on the board. Now, I had Bridgewater as the best quarterback in that group. I thought he was going to be the best. I liked Derek Carr. I wasn't sure about him. There wasn't enough film on him. Mm-hmm. But I thought Bridgewater was going to be the best of the group. Cleveland ended up trading. They had two picks that year for some reason. I can't remember what the scenario was. But they had two different draft picks first in the first round. They traded up to 22nd overall and picked Johnny Manziel. <laughs> Why they did that, I don't know. Because they didn't really have a plan. So Johnny walks out, flashing the money, and it was just a media storm in Cleveland. Now, that was the first time I had ever sworn in front of my parents. <laughs> was watching that draft when they picked Manziel. I was like, fuck. Because <laughs> like, I wanted to embrace it, but I wasn't sure about it. But what were you going to do? What did your bro- dad say? He wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I can't remember what the hell he exactly said. He didn't seem happy about it, though. But the Browns, that season prior, had spent a million dollars. They paid a football research agency a million dollars to figure out who the best quarterback in that class was. And that agency came back and said it was Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater was still on the board. He went 32nd overall to the Vikings. If only they picked him, things could have been different. They could have been a lot different. But they picked Johnny Manziel. Now, the celebrity status and the substance issues were all over the place at this point still yeah his first season he didn't play at all he got in one snap that first like the first 11 games or whatever and it was on a trick play where they were gonna put they put him in out as a, as a wildcat quarterback and then they called him off the field but they left him on the field and it was supposed to be it was supposed to look like he was talking to the offensive coordinator but he was really lined up as a wide receiver so he was lined up sideways <laughs> at the sideline <laughs> I and think then I remember that. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, and he was just pointing to run. And then Manzalas takes off on the field, and they drop a bomb to him. But they got flagged for illegal formation because I guess you have to be one yard off the line of scrimmage or off the sideline to line up properly. Yeah. And he was like right on the sideline. <laughs> And that was the only play that he played in. But the Browns went they, they went seven and four the first eleven games that year. Brian Hoyer. Yeah. He was good. Yeah, it was going pretty well. And then he started to stumble a little bit. The Browns started losing games and then then the putting Manzel in it just did not go well. Yeah. He wasn't prepared. None of it was going well. I think he finished with hundred and forty seven yards his first season. And it's like this is a disaster. And then it started coming out like how bad his partying was and everything else that was going on. He ended up in inpatient rehab. <laughs> now we can't laugh about this shit too much but the, your quarterbacks in rehab yeah, and they're on, banking man. on him coming back and being a contributor to the next year so the next year uh he ended up playing early because mccown got hurt week one on the first drive because josh mccown was brought in to start yeah he tried to dive into the end zone ended up helicoptering and not scoring <laughs> i think i remember that was that against pittsburgh no it was against the jets oh. 
but he ended up breaking his collarbone, so Manziel had to play. And he started off okay. Like, he beat the Titans pretty handily. Mm-hmm. He started to play okay, but then the partying just started to get out of control again. And there was, like, during, over the bye week, they had told him. They had, like, specific rules as to what he was allowed to do and what he wasn't allowed to do, basically. And over the bye week, he went down to Texas, and there were videos of him just clubbing and just going crazy like he would usually do it. And... At this time, I was in college, and I had a, a, a student, a classmate of mine that was also a Browns fan, and he was like, we would talk football a lot, him and I, and yeah. he was like, man, you know, don't don't, don't tell anybody, but my buddy that I know, he was doing cocaine with Johnny Manziel not that long ago <laughs> at a bar, Jesus. and he gave me the breakdown of the entire story, <laughs> and I'm like... I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is great. So then week 15 rolls around. Now, when Manziel, when that video of him partying that one time on the bye week happened, they demoted him the third string quarterback because he had been the starter for most of the season. They demoted him the third string. Like, you got to get your shit together, man. And then he was like, oh, I'm going to get it together. I'm going to get it together. I, I, I got it out of my system, basically. He didn't have it out of the system. <laughs> and then he ended up playing week 14, but he ended up getting a concussion. And he got ruled out for week 15. But he still had to like show up to the team facilities because you're still a member of the team. Even if you're not yeah. going to play that week, you still have to show up. Yeah. The Saturday before the Sunday game, there is a rumor that breaks that Johnny Manziel's in Vegas. <laughs> Bear in mind, they were playing in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. The rumor breaks that he's in Vegas. Now... The whole thing broke because he ended up having to pay a bill and a dealer saw his card or something. He had a fake ID that called him Billy. <laughs> he wore a blonde wig. <laughs> he had been growing a beard at the time. He shaved everything except for his mustache. And he put on a hoodie and these like weird like hipster glasses. <sighs> and he went to Vegas. Now, to cover his tracks, he posted on Instagram that night a photo of himself and his dog. And he tagged it in Avon, Ohio, which is just outside of Cleveland, to cover his tracks. And everybody was like, there's rumors that Johnny football's in Vegas. <laughs> And he said that he had a whole plan where it's like he had to get out of Cleveland for a while. So he was going to hop on a plane at like noon or whatever. I can't remember what the hell time it was. Fly to Vegas for a while. And his plan was to be back on a plane in Vegas, headed back to Cleveland by 11 p.m. Saturday night. So he could make his doctor's appointment or whatever he had to do at the team facility Sunday morning. Yeah. Because they had a game. Right. He... (laughs) He ended up staying out till 4 o'clock in the morning Vegas time. He didn't get back into his hotel until 7 o'clock in the morning Vegas time. Oh, my God. And he missed. He just was no no show. The, the team had no idea where the hell he was at. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to what they'll have because there are obviously people down there that saw him yeah. as his, with his wig on and all this ridiculous shit. He didn't come clean about it till years later. He actually broke down the logistics of the whole thing. But it, it existed as speculation for a long time. Now, I, even, I even have a t-shirt at home of him in the wig, and it's called Billy Vegas. I think I've seen that shirt. Yeah, it's ridiculous shit. So, by, the, by that point, the Browns had an idea that, yeah, he actually was in, he was in Vegas. And they decided that he probably wasn't going to play again this year. Now, in the middle of all this is where it kind of gets really bad. Is he ended up like beating up his girlfriend in the car or something during mm-hmm. the entire time? He ended up taking catching domestic violence charges and got arrested like as the season was ending. Yeah, and it's like all this shit. Like, what the hell are you doing, dude? You're completely melting down. And it was a lot of drug induced issues. And even going back to his college days, like everything was in the mix. Like cocaine was in the mix, marijuana was in the mix, MDMA was in the mix. Jesus. All sorts of shit was in the mix. And obviously alcohol for a very long time was in the mix as well. And so the Browns ended up cutting him in like January. Like right as Hugh Jackson got hired, he announced that Johnny Manziel was not going to be part of the team. And he ended up getting cut shortly thereafter. He ended up spending uh, Valentine's Day with Louis Anderson in 2016. (laughs) (laughs) And then that was the end of his NFL career. Now he had banged around in Canada for a while. He had been in uh, 
like the AAF for a while, and he's now currently in the fan-controlled league, which I don't know how official any of that <laughs> shit is. But I think he still has a job in that. He's only 29 these days, but it's like, what the hell is going on, dude? I remember reading that that Canadian team he went to, like the city was so excited. I just couldn't believe they were having Johnny Manziel on their team. And I don't know exactly what he did. They never announced what happened, but he has been banned for life <laughs> from the Canadian Football League. <laughs> There are no real reports as to why. Johnny, come on, man. What he still he still thinks he's gonna get another shot. So much potential. Anyways, that's that. That's pretty funny. Johnny Manziel. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I had a couple of shirts, Johnny Manziel shirts back in the day. I'm sure he was fun. He was a little different. But anyways, I'm sorry. I ran way too long with that one. But no, you're good. What else you got? My second one. This one, a little older. Little, probably. I'd say a lot older. Have you ever heard of Hetty Green? I feel like I have to have, but I don't know. You think? So I don't know how famous this woman actually was. I think she was just like really well known sure in her community but like i said this is a little older um she stood out mostly from her eccentric behavior we're going to be getting into that here in a little bit but more importantly she was well known because she did not take into account any of the standards for women during that time now we're talking about just after the civil war like 1867 okay so she was born in 1837 now she was born into a wealthy family Family. Sure. But as she gets older, her wealth gets insane. Like, she she gets super rich. Grows exponentially. Yes. And in 1867, she marries a millionaire. And now, this was very uncommon for a woman to do during this time, is she negotiated a prenuptial contract to keep finances separated. Interesting. So, after that, after they got married, shortly after, the bank started doing some shady shit with her money. Sure. And basically kind of spending it like it was his spending his like it was hers yada 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 so they weren't they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing okay you know regarding the contract that was negotiated and they ended up getting a divorce and he ended up going bankrupt and he would actually end up dying like pretty young sure and uh now what is crazy is that this woman this is why she's this is why she is on my list okay i'm kind of waiting for she's this. <laughs> sorry I had to do a little bit of background. Sure. But then I got I got lost on my paper here. But the reason she is on my list is that she is extremely careful with her money. Like she is extremely radically frugal. Like this woman is insane to to the point where it affects the people around her. Oh boy. Uh she's so frugal and good with money and after getting her father's like small inheritance, like it was a decent size inheritance for the time, but sure. It wasn't an insane amount of money and she was really smart with investing and whatnot and i think she started like her own bank too i think but she ended up accumulating a wealth of over a billion dollars which would be 27 billion dollars today like she became a billionaire that's ridiculous which is insane now i'm gonna tell you how tight this woman is with money she wouldn't spend money on an office if she had like any like big meetings at her bank they had their meetings on the floor of the bank really <laughs> yes which is hilarious yeah she was extremely paranoid she was like afraid of like stalkers and shit she thought people were like you know following her and shit she would like take zigzag routes home she would walk because she didn't want to own a car this kind of sounds like the winchester lady yeah she would heat up her oatmeal on her radiator because she thought that coal was too expensive for the stove so she had a stove but she didn't want to buy the coal for it to cook her food so she would literally heat up her oatmeal on her radiator you know i'm not gonna lie i would do shit like that (laughs) 
which is pretty insane. Now, she she was extremely cheap. She tried returning a broom, like, years after she bought it. The bristles were all gone. She literally tried returning it, trying to get her money back for it. <laughs> <laughs> and now this is actually really sad. Her son had broken his leg, and she refused to take him to the doctor and pay for medical care. She tried to set the leg herself. Oh, my God. Now, I've broken my leg before, and, like, it's probably some of the most excruciating pain you can go through. So I couldn't even begin to imagine the pain this kid was going through. Now, she wasn't able to set the leg herself because she didn't know what the fuck she was doing. So what she did was she tried to make them look as poor as possible. So they they can get free medical care at a clinic at like a free clinic. Jesus Christ! But they ended up kicking her out because I think they found out who the fuck she was. <laughs> so they kick her out. Mind mind you, this whole time this kid has a broken fucking leg. Like how is this? She's just like, like fuck it. How is this kid like getting around and like like how long did it take her to figure out how to look poor? Like what goes into this process? And this whole time this kid has a broken leg, can't walk. So she was finally able to get the leg set herself but she eventually had to take him to see a medical professional because his leg ended up getting infected and they ended up having to fucking amputate it so the boy ended up losing his leg because she was too cheap to take him to the doctor in the first place like you're on a different type of crazy bro you're on a different type of crazy why was she famous in the first place was it just because she was rich yeah she was rich and she was very unladylike and a lot of people knew her for that. Yeah, there's a lot of unladylike things going on in the story. Yes, definitely. Holy but fuck! That's that's basically that's basically most of her story. That was ridiculous. Now, who was she again? What was her name? Her name was Hetty Green. Hetty Green. Yes. Anyways, Hetty Green. If you guys know anything more about her, please tweet us at Thirty in Law. Yes, definitely. I've got one more, and I'm gonna have to make this one quick. Yes. Well, this is this is the one I've been looking forward to doing for a while. Have you ever heard of Dennis Rodman? Yes. Dennis Rodman, who Forgot is about him. 60 years old now, is best known as, well, he best known as being Dennis Rodman, basically. Yeah. He was an American basketball player. He played in the NBA from 1986 until 2000. He was drafted by the Detroit Pistons in the second round back in 86, and he established himself with the Pistons as a pretty good player. Good defensive player. Excellent defensive player. One of the greatest defenders of all time, and a rebounder. Mm-hmm. Now, Dennis Rodman, he did the dirty work. Like, a lot of these big-time flamboyant personalities are usually scorers or flashy players. Dennis Rodman did the dirty work. He did Mm -hmm. the hard rebounding, the hard defense. One of the most dynamic defenders that the league's ever seen. He could defend anybody. He could lock down whoever, basically. Uh, He's a two-time defensive player of the year. He won so many rebounding titles that I've... I can't believe. Now, a lot of people don't realize that he didn't even play sports in high school because he was small. He was only like 5'6 as a freshman, and I think he only grew to 5'11 in high school. In college, he was just working kind of bum jobs. I don't even know if he went to college. I think he was just, after high school, he was just working basically whatever he could find. He grew from 5'11 to 6'7 as an adult. That's unreal. And uh, somebody saw him and was like, hey, you know. Is that a normal thing to have a growth spurt that late? Sometimes it happens. It's not normal, but it happens. Mm. So, and he was always kind of a shy and awkward kid. He claims that he was the oldest of 47 kids. <laughs> 
between his mother and his father. Jesus. I guess his father had like 28 kids or something. He's a military guy that ended up in the Philippines. He just moved there permanently. But, and he always said he was kind of shy and awkward. Now, even as a piston early on, he was part of the Bad Boys, which was a really rough group. You had Isaiah Thomas, who was just a complete badass. Just a hard-nosed player that, a really good player, but also kind of rough around the edges with his personality and with his play style. But very, Isaiah Thomas is exceedingly tough. You had Joe Dumars. You had Bill Lambeer, who was a just a big-ass bully who would just, like, throw Larry Bird to the ground and shit. Mm-hmm. And then you had Rick Mahorn, who was another rough guy. So Dennis Robin came into the league with these guys. Mm-hmm. Now, Rodman, a tenacious defender and a rebounder, he was just like, holy shit. It was a good fit for him. He fit in really well with the play style of the bad boys. And they ended up winning a couple of championships. And Dennis Rodman, he ended up on an all-NBA defensive team, even though he wasn't even a starter. Now, he would score a little bit. He was a decent, decent all-around player, but his defense was great. He ended up winning two Defensive Player of the Year awards in 90 and 91. And the Pistons won two championships when Dennis Rodman was there. They won championships in 89 and 90. They roughed up Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They roughed up Larry Bird. They roughed up Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan Hayden playing playing the Pistons, and I don't think he got the best of them until like ninety one or ninety two or something. Mm-hmm. So Rodman was there for a while. I think he ended up sticking with the Pistons until nineteen ninety three. So he would have spent like the first six or seven years of his career with the Pistons. Now he didn't get drafted. I think he was twenty five when he ended up first joining the league, which is old, yeah, old, old compared to what kids are doing today joining the league at 18 right but he ended up really making a name for himself as a defender and a really hard-nosed player whatever he ended up having a mental breakdown in 93 where i guess he drove to the palace and was contemplating killing himself or something and he had an epiphany where he was going to reinvent his entire personality because up until that time he really wasn't known for his personality just known for his play (laughs) basically yeah he decided he was really going to embody the bad boy element but he also wanted to get traded from the Pistons at that point because the bad boy era was pretty much over at that point. Yeah. So he ended up getting traded to the Spurs where he decided he was just going to be a bad boy, basically. And he would, like, dye his hair ridiculous colors. Like, it would be a different color every day. It would be green. It would be pink. It would be blonde. It would be whatever. Piercings and tattoos up the wazoo. And then attitude up the wazoo. Now, he would get in trouble, like, a little bit. Like, he would get fines here and there with the Pistons, but it wasn't anything crazy. He His first incident with the Spurs, now, he did get traded in 93. He got suspended one game and fined $7,500 for headbutting Stacey King, who played for the Bulls. And he didn't leave the court in a timely fashion after being ejected. So he headbutted this guy. <laughs> in March of 94, he got suspended one game and fined $5,000 for headbutting John Stockton, <laughs> who was an NBA Hall of Famer and was on the Dream Team. And he also he also got in trouble for headbutting a referee later on in his career. So he developed a reputation what's up, what's up for, these headbutts, for headbutting man? people. Now, I first found out about Dennis Rodman as a person because in 97, he got suspended indefinitely, but it ended up being an 11-game suspension because he kicked a cameraman on the sideline. <laughs> And there's, like, video of him, like, getting tangled up with this guy. And it's, like, it was just a complete accident. Like, Dennis fell playing, and he landed on the cameraman. Yeah. Let's turn around and just kicked him. Just, like, brutally. <laughs> Jesus. He ended up having to pay, like, $200,000 in a settlement for that one. Yeah, no shit. And off the court, he was as ridiculous as he is on the court. He would get in a lot of trouble with, just, well, not even really trouble. It would just be, like, weird shit that he would do. Like, he announced that he was getting married at a book signing in New York in 96. And he appeared wearing a wedding gown, a blonde wig, and he claimed that he was marrying himself. <laughs> but he was making a lot of money during this time. But he ended up getting, like, there's, like, a magazine that did, like, like 
like a profile about the worst dressed women, and he was on the list as one of the worst dressed women <laughs> in like '97 or something. Jesus, his shenanigans <coughs> were off the wall. Now he was still playing at a very high level though right. during all of this, and he ended up hooking up with the Chicago Bulls during uh, the the second three peat, and he won three additional championships with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen <laughs> between '96 and '98. Now they were all kind of old at that point. I think Rodman was like 37 by that by the time that that whole thing ended, but he was still playing really well during all of this which is ridiculous to me now he was marrying like a bunch of famous people like he married carmen electra for a little bit mm. he had a very high profile affair with madonna mm. which is just like of course he would why wouldn't he <laughs> um he ended up going to the lakers for a little bit it didn't go well he played it for a little bit i guess he's only married to carmen electra for five months his last stop in the nba was with the dallas mavericks in 2000 I think he played 12 games with them, got technical fouls in six of them, and got ejected out of two of them. (laughs) And I read this thing where Steve Nash was on the team back in that day, and they were just like, we didn't even know what the hell he was doing here. It was just complete shenanigans the entire time. (laughs) Now, he had been doing a lot of different media appearances throughout his career, basically once he decided he was going to be a bad boy. So he was on a bunch of different shows, and you would see him on the news regularly, just, what's he up to now? It was usually like TMZ's house shit, but... I don't even really know how the hell this happened. In 2013, he somehow hooked up with a TV reporter who was interested in basketball, and the two of them traveled to North Korea to do like a, <laughs> yeah. to do like a like a charity basketball clinic or something. And somehow, some way, now Dennis Rodman had always had a knack for making friends with weird people in weird places. Yeah, like he wouldn't always be popular among like popular people, but he'd always like make like weird friends that nobody really thought about or cared about or whatever. And somehow, he ended up <laughs> in North Korea. And his group became the first Americans to meet Kim Jong-un. Yeah. And Kim Jong-un and Dennis Rodman ended up becoming fast friends. <laughs> and he had been going back there on numerous occasions. He still, he still is considered the unofficial ambassador to North Korea. <laughs> and it's like he was doing all sorts of diplomatic missions. Like Trump would literally send him on North Korean <laughs> diplomatic missions. Basically, why not? Fuck he was it. he was trying to get Obama to get in the mix, and Obama wasn't buying any of it. But Trump sure as shit was. <laughs> And then Dennis Rodman was the reason that Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un had multiple summits. It was all because of Dennis Rodman's diplomatic skills. <laughs> Just think about that for a second. Man, you trying to meet Trump? And it was exactly what it's like. It was exactly what it's like. I guess they just ended up hitting it off. Now, Kim Jong-un has always been known as a basketball fan. Sure. Who better than the warm Dennis Rodman? To, right. <laughs> That's hilarious. To show up. and Yeah, his Dennis Rodman's film is incredible. He was an incredible player. Yeah, his playing is, his, as a player was ridiculous. For a kid that didn't play in high school, that didn't think he was an athlete, basically. Right. To just a dominant defender, dominant rebounder, ridiculous personality, and obviously a accomplished diplomat pulling off. Oh no shit! He he broke the he ended stalemate. The, he, he ended the Korean War basically. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can go that far, but he managed. <laughs> He managed to create diplomatic relations with the most isolated nation literally <laughs> in the world. Unbelievable. I just, I don't, how all that lines up, I don't know. But, like, they, people think that he's a CIA operative at this point. They're like. Dude, I, it wouldn't surprise me, and he's only He's only 60 years old, so who knows what, what what's going to happen next. But. That's hilarious. God, just. Good for him, man. Good for him, definitely. But just processing that. Like, we've got a summit between the U.S. president, TV's Donald Trump, and North Korea's Kim. 
Kim Jong Un. What a what a day we live in, man. Brokered, what, a, what, a, what a time we live in. Brokered by Dennis, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Could you imagine waking up in the nineties or going in a coma in the nineties and waking up today and it's just like what, what was that James Franco and Seth Rogen movie? Oh, uh it's really funny. Shit. I've seen the, it. The interview. Yeah, the interview. Yeah, I watched that before. It's like real life interview happening. Yeah. <laughs> And Dennis Rodman is the, is the focal point. He's done so many. He's done so many diplomatic missions these days. Like that's like his like number one job is handling handling North Korea. Anyways, that is hilarious. And that no, that's all I got this week. Thank so. you, Dennis Rodman, for your service. Yes, thank country. you, Dennis Rodman. He's a true American hero. I mean, literally, you can't find many more better guys than that. And he's had his issues, but you know, he's doing the best with what he's got these days. So do what you do, man. Anyways, on that note, do you have anything else for this episode? Nah, that's all I got. Yeah, listeners have been kind of uh, this week, you know. Oh, let me show you the the ending statistics. Oh, the ending statistics of our famous Facebook post. We had a total of 513 people reached. Wow. The post added 405. That's 80, pretty good. 81 post engagements, and we had 27 likes on the on the post. One comment. So we had more likes on the post than we had listens on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. But hey, it, it's getting out there. Yeah, you know, we're closing in on 3,000 listens, so that's pretty good. Which is good. I'm happy the about The Facebook that. page is picking up likes here and there, so that's not too bad. Yep. Uh, please tweet us at 30 in the. Please comment on Facebook. Let us know if you've met any crazy famous people and tell us about your experience. Yes, please do so. I did see Johnny Manziel play in a preseason game. It was actually his first professional preseason game. Nice. So I guess I kind of had a run in with him. There you go. I love to have a run in with Dennis Rodman, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Mm. Anyways, please tweet us. Please comment on Facebook. Please keep listening. Please keep telling everybody you know about the show. Definitely. Anyways, it is way past time to get out of here this week. So Peace. Now, I've got two more quick ones. These are pretty good. Let's get into it. And both of them are going to come from our favorites, UPI Odd News. Odd News. And these are new ones. These are like today, today years old type. Nice. Today. Fuck. God. These are new ones. My second one. This one, a little older. Little, probably, I'd say a lot older. Sure. Jesus I'm sorry. <laughs> you good? It hit me in the face. <laughs> Did, <it really? laughs> Did you lose a tooth? Are you good? Damn I apologize. Near. We're good. God. Are you bleeding? No, I'm good. Fuck. Scared me. <laughs> All right. Have you ever heard? Cut. <laughs> Cut. Good. <laughs> you sure? Yes. All right. All right. Let's see here. Have you ever heard of Hetty Green? Hetty Green? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. I have managed to knock over both microphones today. She would heat up her oatmeal on the radiator of her car. Cut. When the hell is she gonna <laughs> she get a car? Eighteen thirty seven. I did not mean to say that. God, she was extremely. 
Epcot. (laughs) She would heat up her oatmeal on her radiator. And Bob Euchre is one of the funniest guys. Like, uh, who was the Johnny? Johnny, who was the the talk show host back in the old days, before all these weirdos? Johnny uh, Cash, uh, no. Sullivan. It was uh, no, not that's not Ed Sullivan. Ed, Ed after Sullivan. Him. After him, Johnny something. Here's Johnny. Johnny. Fuck. Here's Johnny, Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson used to have Bob Euchre on a lot. Okay. And it was some funny shit because Bob Euchre was an old player that wasn't very good, but he had home runs off of like a lot of Hall of Fame pitchers. He only, <laughs> only had like 14 home runs. But this guy, you got to watch some Bob Euchre shit. His wit is just the funniest thing of all time. Hell and yeah. he's an old ass guy. He's like in his late 80s now. And he's still sharper than shit. Hell the yeah. jokes that he cracks are. Anyways. Major League, Charlie Sheen. We got to do an episode on Bob Euchre. 